You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Hey, hey, happy Monday and welcome back, my Freedom Pack family. Today on the show, we are joined by the author of 18 books, multiple New York Times bestsellers, and keynote speaker, John Gordon. John's principles have been put to the test by numerous Fortune 500 companies, professional and college sports teams, school districts, hospitals, non-profits, you name it. John's books include many bestsellers like The Energy Bus, The Carpenter, Training Camp, You Win in the Locker Room First, and then more recently, The Power of Positive Leadership and The Power of a Positive Team. John and his work have been featured on many major shows, CNN, CNBC, The Today Show, Fox, Friends, numerous magazines, newspapers. John's clients, well, you may recognize a few of them. The Los Angeles Dodgers, the Atlanta Falcons, Dell, Southwest Airlines, the LA Clippers, Miami Heat, Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, the list goes on and on and on. This this guy is the real deal. We've wanted John on the show for a while and it was such a pleasure to connect with him. You can see why this guy is such a demanded speaker. On the show, we talk about John's major principles that include leading through optimism, how he had the courage to quit his bu- to quit uh, a business which he ran, which I believe was a restaurant business, and pursue his path of entrepreneurship and doing what he loves to do. We delve into self-talk, overcoming victim speak. We delve into overcoming limiting beliefs. This is a really, really great episode. It's a bit shorter than last week's episode, but it's a cracker. Nonetheless, without any further ado, John Gordon, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Fired up to be with you guys. So when anyone types in your name and starts reading about your story, there seems to be uh, one focal point in particular that keeps coming up. And I believe it to be a very important part of your message can you please recall that conversation you had with your wife at 29 years old and why that is such a pivotal moment in your life and your current work up to this point? Because I was miserable, I was negative, I wasn't a good husband and my wife came up to me and she said, you know, I love you but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who makes me so miserable. You need to change. And 
I had to change. I didn't have a choice. If I wanted to stay married, I had to become a more positive person. And I realized she was right. I wasn't positive. I had become depressed and miserable and angry and just frustrated with life. I had allowed the fear and the stress and the pressure to really take a toll on me. And in that moment, I, I agreed to change and I began this journey of, of working to become a more positive person. So it was a very defining moment. If she doesn't do that, if she doesn't give me the ultimatum, I don't become the person I am in terms of writing and speaking and doing this work. And it's funny because I'm writing about that right now, writing a book called Relationship Grit about our marriage and how we stayed together and how we through all the ups and downs, just didn't give up when she probably should have. And maybe there were times that I should have, but we didn't. So I'm actually just writing about that now. And then you just asked me about that. Going through that journey of transforming through relationships, what are the biggest lessons which you've learned? What advice would you give to your younger self in terms of entering relationships? You have to put others before you. You have to be we before me. I was selfish. I was definitely narcissistic. I wasn't a good husband. And when I focused on making my wife a priority, when I invested in the marriage, instead of just taking from the marriage, but invested in it and invested in my wife, not only did she get better, not only did our our family get better, but I got better. We often think we have to focus on ourselves to be successful, but ironically, the greatest self-growth strategy of all is to help others grow, is to make the people around you better. And I didn't become a real leader. I didn't become someone who could really walk the walk and do this work until I started to do that. You decided to sell your restaurant franchises, which you said in your book, The Power of Positive Leadership. They were draining you and keeping you from doing what you love doing, which was writing and speaking. And at the time, you said that you had some gigs lined up, but you were without, you know, an established motivational business in place. Yet you wrote that somehow, some way, it was just going to work out. And months down the line, the business, you know, it wasn't exactly soaring at that point, And you said you were filled with fear. So my question to you is, where on earth did that positivity come from? Well, what do fear and faith have in common? They both believe in a future that hasn't happened yet. So fear believes in the negative future. Faith believes in the positive future. And if neither has happened yet, you know, why wouldn't we choose to believe in the positive future? So I would say my faith was was born in hope and optimism in the future. And also, quite honestly, in, in a faith in, in God. I became a, a believer in God. I, I was someone who wasn't always there, but through my struggles and challenges, I saw how, how God carried me through these times when it was miraculous about what happened and how somehow, some way I was carried and I made some money here and, and this worked out and that worked out. And I knew I didn't do it on my own. I knew it wasn't luck, right? I knew that it was leading me to a better future. So I really had this faith that, that God had a plan for my life and that I just needed to trust in that plan. And that's what happened. I feel as if what you're describing but there is that entrepreneurial jump, which is, I mean, we know ourselves, it's difficult. The fears, the constant questioning of yourself. I mean, you talked about, you know, having that faith. But I would like to take this just a level deeper and ask you, 
What are you telling yourself in that moment? I mean, you've just given up by typical means a, a very, you know, profitable, a sustained business, which to achieve is no easy means. 95% of businesses go bust within five years. To achieve a pretty good business, that's an achievement. What are you telling yourself day to day after you've made that jump? What's the self-talk? Well, it was one letting go of the old. Once I sold the restaurants, like that was it. It's about moving forward. The past is the past. And now you're so immersed in creating the future that there are no other options. Like there is no plan B. You are focused on, on plan A. And somehow, some way, I've got to work hard to make this work. You've got to work like it depends on you. And I think you got to trust like it depends on God, the creator of the universe. So you got to like go with, with both mindsets. And yes, there was a level of, I'd say, courage and confidence and maybe naivety, right? Maybe there's just a little bit of naive, childlike faith that says, you know what? Somehow, some way, it's going to work out. I believe the best is yet to come. So every day, I'm going to take action to create that best outcome. You know, Duke University did a study on optimist and they found that they, they worked harder, got paid more, and were more likely to succeed in, in business and sports. And what they found was that these optimists, because they believed in a brighter, a better future, they took the actions necessary to create it. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the researchers actually used the term deluded, that they deluded themselves into believing in a better, in a better future. I think that's funny, the word delude. And I think maybe that's what I was doing. I was deluding myself, but I choose the term belief and faith instead of delude. And because of that, I was willing to do whatever it took to go for it. Pessimists do not change the world, right? Naysayers say you can't do it. Complainers, all they do is complain about problems. They don't solve them. And critics, they're the ones who who write words, but they don't write the future. Throughout, throughout history, it's been the positive leaders, the believers, the dreamers, the doers who actually get things done, who make things happen, who change the world, who come up with inventions, who create businesses that, that transform the world. So for me, I was just willing to go for it. And thankfully, I did have a wife who was very supportive and said, go, like go live it, go pursue it. And when you have a purpose also, I think this is important. I was filled with purpose. And when you have a purpose, your purpose is greater than your challenges. So when you know your why, you'll know the way and you won't let obstacles get in the way. Mm. You said that th that was your only plan, essentially. And now we look at you and, you know, we see the hundreds of thousands in followers, the double digits of, of best-selling books, the platforms, the keynotes. Do you think that if you had had a plan B that you may not have gone on to achieve what you currently have? Oh, totally. I think I had to be able to let go of the past and just have a singular focus of this is what I truly want. In my book, Training Camp, I talk about the best know what they truly want. And when you know what you want, you will do whatever it takes to get there, you will pay the price that greatness requires. And I was willing to pay the price. I knew that I was here to write and speak, that this was my calling, this was my mission. I had to sell the restaurant so I can focus on this. And in doing so, that even if it took me 10, 15 years to make it, it would be worth it because I'd be pursuing what I was here to pursue and what I was here to do. So. I was willing, no matter how long it took, no matter what it looked like, 
I don't know if I was thinking about this kind of success that I would have this, that I would write 20 books and sell 4 million copies and be able to do all these talks around the, around the world. Like I didn't know it would look like this. I just had a vision of me speaking to a lot of people in an audience and sharing a message. Didn't even know what that, that message maybe was at the time, but I just saw that that's what I was here to do. And I wanted to encourage and inspire as many people as possible one person at a time. So, so I had to make time for that one person. And it really was always about that, you know, pursuing this dream and this vision, but always making a difference wherever I was. Okay. So I hear that and it's, and you know, it's such an empowering story. And I know that there are people listening right now, which are going, you know, maybe I'm in this job or this relationship and and I'm hearing John speak about this. And I want to take that leap. I want to take to the next level of my life. I, w- I want to go into whatever it is that will bring me fulfillment. But they're held back by a story. And this is my greatest for you whenever we bring inspiring people like you on, John, is that they'll hear these amazing tales and, and they'll find the strategies. But there's always that story in their head which, which tells me, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not smart enough. What would you say to someone listening right now that says, you know, I want to do it, but there's a story in their mind which is holding them back? What would your advice be? I would let them know that we all have that story. We all have that fear. I would tell them those those negative thoughts are not coming from you because you would never choose to have a negative thought. Those negative thoughts are, are always coming in and they come from consciousness. They come from a spiritual place to keep you from your destiny. Like there's a battle that every person has to go through. Every movie is a battle of good versus evil. And you have to overcome the evil. You have to overcome that that evil person or that evil event or that negative thing to, in order to triumph, in order to reach the top of the mountain, in order to have that victory. And every person will have to overcome that on their journey. And so the key is to not listen to those negative voices, to know they're not coming from you. The key is to speak truth to those lies. And they are lies because they're telling you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, and that's not true. What's true is that you're here to do great things. What's true is that you were born to do something amazing. You were never meant to be average. And so there's the truth of who you are, that you're here to do great things. And then there's these these voices that say you're not good enough, that you're not here to do those things. And that's the battle, understanding the positive voice and the negative voice. And you got to feed yourself with that positive story, with that positive word of encouragement, that positive truth in order to overcome. You have to win the battle of your mind to create your destiny. And the only difference between me and someone else is that I didn't listen to the negative voices. I did early on, but at, at some point I said, I'm not listening to that anymore. I chose to listen to the positive voices. I chose to go after it and move through the fear with faith. I chose to believe that I had a, a bigger plan, that there was something for my life I was meant to do. And I was willing to take on the fear and the fear of failure in order to go for it. And I think that's the key is that your job is not to say it's not possible. Your job is not to poo-poo it and say, oh, I can't do that. The minute you do that, what you do is you stop the flow of energy that is meant to flow through you to help you create what you're meant to do. Your job is to believe it's possible, to receive 
the plan, to receive the destiny, to receive what God has for you and to believe in it and then take steps toward it and then walk in that faith as you take those steps. And as you do, you'll activate what's meant for you. And I think so often people just don't believe it. So what do they do? They don't believe it. They resist it. And right away they cut off the plan and the destiny that is meant for them. And they never realize what God has for them. See, God wants to give them a gift. And they're basically saying, I don't deserve it. You have to say, I deserve it. I'm worthy. I'm here to go after it. And I'll fight for it. And then when you do, the gift comes to you. There's one thing having you know the negative thoughts. And then there's another thing having negative thoughts that are that are fueled by negative results one example i can give you this and i'd love to to understand your process on it is when you originally wrote the energy bus and i read that it was rejected by over 30 initial publishers and you know that is a negative result that is a failure but obviously that turned into a success so I want to understand your own personal process and how you dealt with that ob- obstacle and then how you managed to keep persisting and then turn it into a success. What did you do specifically? Well, every rejection I got, I got down. I, at times, was hopeless. At times, I had doubt that this was not going to happen. So people need to know that. The doubt that you have is very normal. The fear that you have is very normal. So I had those fears. I had those doubts. There were many times it didn't look like it was going to get published. I was being told to give up. It's not going to happen. But each time, I just kept on having this belief and optimism that somehow, some way, it would happen. I call myself a pessimistic optimist. So I get down. I get a little hopeless, and then the next day I'll wake up with this eternal hope and belief that somehow, someway it's going to work out. So no matter what was happening, I still kept on waking up, believing that something good was going to come my way. Now, again, I never thought it would look like this, but I just kept moving forward and kept on believing and kept on working towards it. And really, there's no other secret. That's it. It wasn't like I had this magical mindset. I just kept on getting up every day taking one step at a time, believing that it was going to work out, and it did. Now, I'm not saying that it always does that for everybody because there have been things in my life where, like running for city council of Atlanta, that I walked door to door to 7,000 houses. I thought I was going to win that election, and I did not win. And so that didn't happen, right? But the formula E plus P equals O. We can't control the events in our life. But we can control our positive response to those events, and that determines the outcome. So we have these events, but as long as we can stay positive, it will determine the outcome. Maybe not in that moment. Maybe a year from now. It might be 10 years from now. I might run for a political office 20 years from now. Like, not saying I will, not in this climate, but maybe I do 20 years from now. And that event of the past will have led to a future event. And I think that's the key is to just keep on working, keep on trusting, keep on believing, and keep on doing the work that you're here to do. You said that the best piece of advice you've ever gotten in your life came from Dr. James Gills, who said, if I listen to myself, I hear all the negative, all the fear, and all the doubt. But if I talk to myself, I can feed myself with the words and encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward. What exactly did you take from these words and how did you apply it to your own life to call it the best advice you've ever got? So instead of listening to those negative voices we were talking about earlier, it's about 
giving yourself words of encouragement. So I kept on saying every day, I expect great things to happen. I trust in God's plan for my life. I accept all the people that want to work with me and benefit from my gifts and talents. Every day I'm getting stronger, healthier, and better. So I had these like four or five things I would say every day when I would walk. I would say these things and I would get back from the walk and there'd be a call. Hey, so-and-so wants you to speak somewhere. And it would be like, no way. It was like this amazing thing that would just happen as I kept on putting out this positive energy, this these beliefs and talking to myself in a positive way instead of listening to the negative. John, you called yourself earlier a pessimistic optimist. We found out that, you know, you were 29 years old and your wife basically says, I'm going to leave you unless you become a more empowering, positive type person. So this makes me think this this optimistic attitude which you have, this belief in yourself, this courage, it makes me think that you've cultivated it. It's not it's not a natural thing which you have. Is that is that right for me to say that this is something which you've specifically built for yourself? I would say this is something that evolved over time, no doubt, and I was definitely negative. I was losing the battle of my mind, and when I started to do these kind of things that I write about, that I share in these books, I started to win the battle for myself and my wife and my family. So yes, I would say I cultivate it. You know, every day we have that choice. We can feed that positive dog inside of us or the negative dog. We have a negative and a positive dog. And those dogs fight all the time. But the one who wins the fight is the one you feed the most. So you got to feed that positive dog. And I've been feeding this positive dog now for, what, let's see, 14 years, I'd say, 14, 15 years. So that positivity inside has grown, has cultivated, has become more my natural state, whereas my previous natural state was negative. And the research shows that we can become you know, more positive. We can feed ourselves the words and the encouragement and the perspectives and the beliefs each day that that change how we view life. And how you see the world determines the world that you see. So your perspective is everything. So yes, I would say cultivated, fed, prayed for, trusting, and gratitude. Every day I would get up and take a walk of gratitude and I would say what I'm thankful for. And the research shows you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. So if you're feeling grateful, you're feeling blessed, you won't be stressed. And the more I did that each day, the more I would change from the inside out. So that's probably the most important thing I've done over the years is that is that thank you walk every morning. Oh, man, I have to say, I love this type of stuff. What, what other type of stuff were you doing to feed this positive uh, dog, John? Was it habits, routines, self-talk, which we covered a little bit of? What What was it? It's self-talk, the thank you walk at night, thinking about my success of the day instead of the failures, sharing it with my kids and my wife, helping them start to cultivate gratitude and celebrating their successes. It came from focusing on what I get to do every day instead of what I have to do. So I changed have to to get to. We don't have we don't have to do this. We get to do this. We get to live this life. We get to go to a job. We get we get to go pick up the kids from school. We get to drive in traffic. Well, so many can't even drive a car. So it was really a lot of perspective shifts. It was when facing a challenge, 
I would always look at that challenge and say, okay, what's the opportunity here? How can I learn from it? How can I grow from it? How can I improve and get better because of it? So I was never letting these challenges bring me down. I always grew from them. So all the different perspectives, the exercise, which I do often, the eating right, which is key, getting enough sleep, which is essential, all that, and then the feeding the positive on a daily basis, that's really what it's all about. I personally love that example you just gave there of the difference between I have to and I get to. Because when I hear someone say, I have to go and spend time with my partner, I have to do this, I have to do that, all that I hear in my mind is, essentially it's just like victim speak, it's like that you have not taken responsibility for that particular thing. I mean, it's basically saying that you have no control in that instance when essentially we do have control, don't we, John? We have control. There's a great analogy about the carrot, the egg, and the coffee bean. And you put a carrot into hot water, and that carrot weakens. It gets softened. You put an egg into boiling hot water, and it gets hardened. But when you put a coffee bean into that same hot water, it transforms the water into coffee. So it's not impacted by its environment. Instead, it transforms its environment. And that's our ability. That's our power every day to transform the environments that we're in, to not let the circumstances to define us, but to define our circumstances. And we have the control and the power to overcome. You're not a victim of circumstance. You could transform the environment and what you've gone through and make it better as a result of your love, your joy, your work ethic, your power, your passion, your drive to be great to make others great you can do that every day i mean we've had a lot of guests that come on and and it's no surprise that a common theme throughout you know the the successful guests we interview is the the power of positivity and a lot of people preach about how they never let they never give the energy to to negativity and i often you know some of them give examples and i think can you really be that positive all the time, even in like the nitty gritty parts of life? And it gets me wondering, I mean, if someone was to cut John Gordon off in traffic, what are you saying? You're not saying, I'm grateful for you. <laughs> no, no, in those moments, you know, I might tell them they're number one. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, we all have those moments. Sometimes my, my daughter will say, Dad, you need to read your own book, right? So we all have those moments. I want people to know this is very real. This is not Pollyanna positive. We all get down. We all have those bad moments where we're not the best version of ourselves. Ideally, I wouldn't give that person uh, a finger. I would actually just blow it off and let them go on by. That happened the other day. The other person gave me a finger, and I basically just you know waved and just said, like, relax, calm down, and they moved on, and that was it. I've learned not to let these moments get the best of me. The other day, I was going to the gym, and these two guys were fighting in the parking lot, and they were literally about to, to come to blows, and I literally got in the middle. I'm like, guys, guys, just relax. This is not a big deal. Like They were arguing over a parking space. I'm like, just go on, and just you'll forget about this in 20 minutes. It won't even matter. If you get into a fight now, it's going to be something that you'll regret. And I got them to actually to part ways, and that was a good thing. So we get heated at times, 
And when we're busy and stressed, we activate the reptilian part of our brain. And the reptile part of our brain hijacks the rational part of our brain, the loving part of our brain. I call this the positive dog part of our brain. And it hijacks it. And that's why we say things we normally wouldn't say. It's why we act in ways we normally wouldn't act. And when we're doing that, we are not our best version of ourselves. The research shows we have a quarter second to override the reptile with that positive dog. And so over time, it's about being more intentional in those moments and not reacting, but taking a second and then responding. And I think that's something I've become a lot better at over time where if someone cuts me off, if someone comes at me, then I'll be more calm. Now, I have to be honest though, like my dad was a New York City cop. I fought a lot growing up, you know, in my neighborhood, you had to fight. Don't mistake my positivity for weakness. If you do come after my family or I am threatened, I, I'm not going to be a victim. I will have to defend and come and, and, and you know, come after you. That's just the way it, I am. That's, that's how I would be. So, again, it's very real. Uh, I am a Christian. I follow Jesus. Unfortunately, I would fall short of that, of that standard where he says, you know, allow yourself to, to take the burden and take the brunt from others. I would have trouble doing that, and I admit that. And so, but I'm not. Over time, I'm not the person who would respond directly or I would never initiate. You know, now I'm the person that would basically try to calm things down, stay positive and make sure that everything is is smooth and, 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 you know, and, and, and and respond in kindness as much as much as I can. I'd like that to, makes sense. that makes it, sense, guys. It makes it makes perfect sense, and I'd like to to transition this conversation into another area that I know a lot of our our listeners um, love hearing about. Because I mean, a lot of our listeners are you know aspiring entrepreneurs themselves, and there's one topic that that we've always wanted to discuss in depth with somebody that um, with someone that knows it, and that's leadership. Um, how important is positivity in in leadership and and why is it such a cornerstone of being an effective leader because great leaders are positive leaders they cast a vision for the road ahead they help their team follow that vision they overcome the negativity that exists they don't allow negativity to sabotage their team they stay positive through their challenges they are optimistic because of everything we've talked about if you're building a business building a company if you're building a nonprofit initiative if you're the leader of a school you're going to deal with all sorts of challenges adversity and negativity and you have to have the optimism and the belief to overcome all of it so as a leader to bring other people with you you have to stay positive through your challenges and always remember your leadership is a transfer of belief. So what you believe, you're transferring to them. So you have to make sure, you're again, as a leader, you're, you're transferring positive beliefs to your team. It's also about developing relationships. You have to be positive in developing these relationships and, and making sure that you're communicating in a positive way and you're connecting with people and you're developing that commitment in them. And if you're not positive, if you're not the kind of leader who leads that way and if you don't take the time to develop relationships, you can't build a great team. So – Everything I read about in The Power of Positive Leadership is a framework on how we take positivity and we use it for leadership. And it's not just about the way we think, it's also the way we act to develop great teams. When looking at your, your nine practices that make a, a great leader, what one stands out to you as the most vital principle a great leader must adopt? It's the leading with optimism piece that we talked about so much. And then the second piece is the one about 
positive leaders building great relationships and teams, that they make the time to connect others and connect with their people. And they developed a team that could accomplish more together than each person could succeed and develop and create on their own. So it really does come down to building a great team as a leader. And I think a lot of leaders struggle with this. And this is something that we love helping people do through our workshops and our training to really help leaders develop great teams. Do you think that leadership is something which is more on the side of a genetic thing, John, or do you think it's something which really can be cultivated? Uh, The reason I ask this is I was reading Stephen Covey's Seven Habits a couple of weeks back, and um, I know that he seems to think that leadership is more of a choice. I appreciate that. I think some people have more of a disposition towards leadership. Some of us have those gifts, just like we have gifts in, in, in other areas. Some are musicians, right? Some are great painters painters and artists, and some are great sculptors. Some are great with construction and design. So everyone has different gifts. So as a leader, I believe, yes, you are born with some natural leadership gifts. But like anything, it can be developed. You can learn to be a better leader. And I believe that even if you influence one person around you, you are a leader. So we can all benefit from leadership practices and developing as a leader to influence those around us. John, we are a show rooted in action taking. So we love to get ideas and examples and then turn them into something which we can execute on straight away. So do you have a challenge for us and for our audience of maybe two to three things which we can do today that will take our lives to the next level. Does John Gordon have a challenge for us? Yes, I do. And I didn't know you were going to ask this question, so here it is. It's the telescope and the microscope challenge. The telescope is your big picture vision. What is it that you truly want to create? So my challenge is to write down and become very clear what you want to create in the future. What is your big picture vision? What is your goal? What is your dream? What is it that you want to build and create? Get very clear on knowing what you want. Then take out the microscope and that's the zoom focus actions you need to take to realize the picture in the telescope. I want you to write down three zoom focus actions that you can take each day to realize that picture in the telescope And what's the one thing out of those three, the one thing you will start immediately? We don't want to do all three at once. We really want to start with one and know that we're going to really do this one thing and focus on this one thing. When you master that, add the next one. Once you do that and you master that, add the third one and continue to add things to help you realize that big picture. So telescope, microscope, and then I want you to pick a word for the year, one word that's going to drive you to be your best. One word that's going to give you meaning and mission and passion and purpose. So imagine you get this telescope, get this microscope, you get this one word that is really your daily inspiration, daily focus to live each day. You know, one year my word was serve. Another year it was pray. One year it was rise. This year it's expand. I know I want to expand my capacity to do what we're doing, expand the team, 
in order to grow and, and have more influence and reach more people, which is happening in leaps and bounds, which is just crazy. That's my word for the year. I didn't choose the word. It chose me. And so each year I pick a word and that word is, is really powerful because like New Year's resolutions were coming on New Year's soon. New Year's resolutions don't last. Most people quit after the first month, like 90% quit on their resolutions and half quit within the first month. Like they're done. They don't even make it past the first month. So resolutions don't work, but one word sticks and one word will help you drive towards your telescope and make sure that you live that microscope every day. In your life, are there any books that you've read that have impacted you that you can name specifically? Oh, so many. I mean, books have challenged me, encouraged me along the way. Uh, John Ortberg wrote a great book called Soul Keep, and I love that. John Ortberg also wrote All the Places to Go, which is a powerful book. I read Who Moved My Cheese years ago when... The cheese wasn't smelling good at the company that I was working with. And I thought, okay, I'm probably going to lose my job. And what am I going to do? I need to I need to start thinking about that. And that's when I decided I was going to go create my future. I was going to do something on my own. And I was going to pursue that. So that was an influential book at the time for me. The Greatest Salesman by Og Mandino. My wife, I'm, not my wife, my mom gave me that book years ago when I graduated in college. And that was a book that was, was very meaningful to me. So... A ton of books along the way. Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One Minute Manager, was my mentor and is my mentor. He's 80 years old now, and he has been really influential as a writer and speaker in my life. So, yes, we're all influenced by by others, and um, those are some people who influenced me. Oh, one other one, Erwin McManus. Erwin wrote a book called The Last Arrow and um, a recent book called The Way of the Warrior and just a really powerful book. What rules do you love to break, John? I don't like standing in lines. Uh, that's one of the rules I like to break. I probably definitely drive faster than the speed limit, so I definitely break those rules. Um, I don't believe in all of the health rules that our experts say is the healthy way to eat, for instance, and then we find out years later they were wrong like we're always finding out more and more that oh we're wrong about this we're wrong about this we're wrong about this i like to really create my own rules of what i think is best for me and my health and my my body so i guess that might be a, a rule in, in essence that that i'm breaking um trying to think of what I, i'm pretty straight and narrow i don't break many other rules uh, in terms of uh, you know like to do the right thing in my marriage, my family, with my kids. So I would say I'm pretty straight up there. But I just think society's rules in terms of you um, have to act this way and be this way and do this this way. I like to be very honest and open and and share what I'm really thinking. And um, I think that's important. Love it. My last question to you, John, is, you know, I'm going to pitch you a scenario. If you imagine a scenario in which Somebody says to you, John, every person on the planet is tuned in to the exact same frequency right now. I'm giving you the opportunity to broadcast a short but impactful message to every single person on the planet, and they're definitely going to listen. What is John Gordon's message to the world? Oh, no doubt it's positivity. It's everything we just talked about. It's probably this podcast. We are telling them 
to stay positive through their challenges, to maintain their hope and their optimism. We're talking about belief. We're going to talk about talking to yourself instead of listening to themselves. It's going to be my keynote. It's going to be the message that I share with businesses and organizations around the world. It's going to be what I share with sports teams to help them be their best. We're going to talk about being a positive leader. We're going to talk about making an impact on the world. We're going to talk about starting with the people around you, in front of in front of you. And we're going to talk about love, serve, and care. Love others. Love casts out fear. Serve others. Put we before me. You get better when you help others get better. And show you care. When you care, you stand out in a world where so many don't care anymore. And caring is the difference between average and greatness. And so the love and the heart and the soul that you put into what you're creating, that helps you create a masterpiece. Your apathy and indifference creates nothing. But your purpose and passion creates that masterpiece. And caring is the key to that. That's what I would share. John, where can our Freedom Pact family connect with you? Can you first tell me why you call this Freedom Pact? So basically, there are two parts to this. So the first part is that Lewis and I, as people, we've always been skeptical. We've always questioned conventional thinking in many different senses. For me personally, when I was growing up, if someone would say, do this, then I would always say, why? Why do you want me to do that? I remember very young, maybe around 14 or 15, I remember I was always questioning things like marriage, like a nine-to-five job, buying a mortgage, you know, nutritional guidelines, exercise guidelines. I always wanted to know why would I be doing something. So, essentially, when Lewis and I really delved into the personal development and the business work, we realized that a lot of the societal principles in place, they're designed to keep us safe. Vishen Lakhiani has a great book on this. It's called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. And he delves into this a bit deeper. I can go into it more if you want me to, but but very often these societal principles, what Vishen calls the culture scape, they just don't lead to a fulfilled life. So that's the first part of it. But if we fast forward now a number of years, Lewis and me, we slave our way through the education system. We get good grades. We come up with honors degrees, so much money in debt. We land ourselves very lucrative graduate positions. It felt at the time as if there was an implication, if there'd been an implication, that once we got to that point, that there would be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I remember leaving work one day, John, and I sat in the front of my car and I could literally feel the cortisol, the stress hormones just floating around my body. I knew that something wasn't right at that point. I was so miserable. I was so unfulfilled. But yet, my parents were so happy. My friends were envious of my position. A few days later, John... Lewis and I, we met up in Tesco Car Park, which is like the equivalent of a Walmart. It's just a supermarket. And I remember we started talking to each other. We started asking, is there another way to live? Because we both had the same feelings. 
what we realised is that there absolutely was. That same day, in that same car park, we made the pact then and there to pursue an entrepreneurial path to chase after freedom. And we wanted to spread this message to as many people as we possibly can along the way. We want to get information from the people that have it, like yourself, to the people that want it, or maybe the people that need it. So besides this, we also think that part of our message and what we want to do is we also want to self-optimize financially, physically, spiritually, to the point where essentially we've made ourselves the asset. So we'll never be bound to a physical job to income per hour we've created leverage essentially because freedom is the result of self-optimization in some way so look that same day we made a pact and you know it's been 19 months later now we have thousands and thousands of listeners every month and uh we've never looked back love it that's inspiring guys i love that that's very powerful love that you would actually make that decision and isn't it feel great to not to have to go to a a job every day and clock in and work a certain amount of hours? We started recording this off off a, a voice note app on our phone, and now we get thousands and thousands of listeners a month, multi-millionaires, billionaires, NFL athletes, all people inspiring people like yourself coming on. And it all just comes from making the decision. And in doing that, it's amazing because you wind up working even more. So even though you're not working hourly, you actually wind up working even harder and more because it's something you love and you're passionate about. Am I right? Man, the problems never go away. You just get better problems. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. All right. Well, you asked me how I could, uh, where you could find me. It's johngordon.com, J-O-N, gordon.com. And... Instagram or Twitter is also where I post a lot of encouragement and insights and and ideas. That's John Gordon 11, J-O-N Gordon 11. John, thank you so much uh, for your time from both myself and Joseph. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and uh, let's do this again sometime. All right, take care.